Hey, good morning, Gretna. It's Pastor Rob. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are in the fourth week of our series, Lent, Remembrance, Repentance, and Renewal. We're spending this 40-day period kind of redirecting our path back to God, back to what he's calling us to, recognizing that the challenges and difficulties of the world can pull us away pull us away from the things of God, pull us away from the path that he has laid out and his desires for us, but also recognizing, especially as we talked about last week, that we can pull ourselves away. That when we have sins in our lives that we we downplay, we really do, we can point them out in others all day long, but finding them and seeing them in ourselves, it's something we are reticent to do. We try not to see our own failings and our own difficulties. When it is often those things, that darkness that comes out of a man, as Jesus says, it's those things that inhibit our capacity to follow God and to be his witnesses into the world. And so we've, we've got to deal with them. We like to think that we can compartmentalize sin and repentance as, as something that, that we've taken care of already, right? If we've come to know the Lord and we've given our lives to the Lord, that we've already recognized our sin, we've already repented of it, and God has healed us of it. And the, and the truth is, God has justified us, meaning he's made it, we look, we are right before him, but it's really the blood of Christ that makes us right, not our own perfection. We haven't become perfect, and anybody who's been following Christ for a time recognizes we are not perfect. We are always dealing with the brokenness from within, the darkness from within, and so the need to recognize that, to draw it out, to deal with it and repent of it is really an ongoing challenge for us as believers in Christ and something we really need to get used to if we desire to be sanctified, which means to be transformed into Christ's likeness, to have all of those things removed from our person, from who we are. We have to continue to build that into a part of our lives. And we don't like to hear that because who wants to believe they sin and who wants to believe they repent, right? Need to repent. Who does? Doesn't mean it's not true. This week, we're gonna move from the darkness of sin to the light of Jesus Christ, the light that can overcome it. To do that, we're gonna look at the beginning of John's gospel. There are four gospels in the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The first three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we would call synoptic gospels, meaning uh, they have some pretty distinct similarities. They tell many of the same parables, though from a different perspective, and many of the same messages, though for a different audience. But John's gospel is different. John's, John's gospel doesn't include any parables. It doesn't include, include any of those stories that Jesus tells to illustrate a point. John's gospel is, is, is written a little bit later, and it is focused far more on heavenly things than earthly things. In fact, we learn more about Holy Spirit in John's gospel than anywhere else in all of Scripture. And John's purpose in writing the gospel is very, very clear. We see it in John chapter 20, verse 31. It says in this verse, it says, but these things, he's talking about the events that he's written down here in this gospel. These are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. This is all about helping those who do not yet know Christ believe because of the stories he's telling, because as a witness, he is telling people what he has seen 
and for those who are struggling, who are following the Lord and struggling to continue to believe, to lean into the Lord, even when doubts might creep in. In fact, that word believe shows up over a hundred times in John's gospel. It is the focus of his gospel. As we begin today, we're gonna begin with John chapter one. It's not only the beginning of his gospel, but also in many ways, the beginning of creation. It harkens back to creation itself. We're gonna look at John chapter one, verses one through eight. We'll do one through five, and then we'll talk about six through eight. So if you would, follow me. I'll be in the Christian Standard Bible. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So John uses a unique word to describe Jesus here. He calls him the word. We know that this is Jesus because in John 1 verse 14, he later says, and the word became flesh. We know that this is Jesus. And he describes Jesus as both with God and God. That's glimpses into the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we really don't completely understand. And in some ways we have to just say, you know what? Because God, <laughs> because his ways are greater than our ways. But we see just a glimpse of, of this concept of the Trinity. The word, to be called the word, to be called language, that way that we communicate our thoughts and our feelings and our opinions, the way we respond to one another, the way we understand who God is, the way we connect with each other and connect with him. To be called the word is to be God himself speaking. The word is God himself communicating. It's God revealing himself in a way that we can understand. Have you ever heard the phrase, show me the money? This idea that even the Apostle Thomas conveyed when he said, upon learning of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, saying, I'm not going to believe it till I see it, right? This, you can talk about it all day long, but until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. That's exactly what John is saying here when he says, the word. The word is present. The word created. The word became flesh. The word was God and was with God. He was here the whole time and nothing was made without him. He's saying that the Lord is present. He is on the scene. Everything that you could ever want to possibly know about who our God is and what his call is on our lives, you can see here, right here, right now, this time, this place. There's no more guessing. There's no more manipulating God to meet our own expectations, which frankly is a lot of what Jesus reprimanded the Pharisees and the Sadducees for in the Synoptic Gospels is choosing to tilt things to meet their own needs rather than pursuing God and allowing him to transform them because isn't that how it's supposed to work, right? We're not supposed to fashion God into our image. We're supposed to allow God to fashion us into his. And most importantly, or I think importantly as well, is there, there are no secrets from him even in the darkness, even in the chaos. 
in, in verse three, he makes that clear. He says, all things were created through him, all of it. He knows it all, lock, stock, and barrel. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. He knows literally everything. When CJ was about two years old, Heather tells this story about how he was at the, they were at the store one day and CJ didn't want to leave the store. CJ was with, uh, they had Heather and Rachel and I, I assume Josh was there, but his name didn't come up in the story. CJ was there obviously too. And <laughs> CJ didn't want to leave this store they were leaving. And so he starts screaming as Heather picks him up and says, we got to go now. He starts screaming, put me down. You're not my mom. And she's like, trust me, I'm your mom. I was there when you're born. And anecdotally, truth, if you've looked at our kids, he's clearly one of ours, right? <laughs> but she's like, he, trust me, I was there when you were born. I have been nurturing you and watching over you and yes, even disciplined you. And so you declaring me your mom doesn't make me any less your mom. And yet... I think sometimes we try to do that with God, even if he is revealing himself to us. But declaring it untrue doesn't make it so. In verse five of this text, it says, the light shines in the darkness and yet the darkness did not overcome it. That concept of overcoming isn't just about the darkness not being able to blot out the light. For sure it is. It can't block it. It's coming through no matter what. It's also, this word that they use for overcome, also means it's impossible to grasp or impossible to understand. And the truth is that even as followers of God, we have difficulty sometimes understanding or grasping the light understanding what it is calling us to and even recognizing it when it's in front of us. Sometimes we might even say it's not there when it really is. Let me give you an example. Uh, if you read back in the book of Exodus, you can see the people of God as Moses is hauling them across the desert, freeing them from slavery as God's agent, right? freeing them from slavery as God has parted the Red Sea and removed that threat from them. As God is, is walking before them in a pillar of smoke by day and a pillar of fire by night, as he is raining down quail and manna from heaven, as he is pulling water out of a rock, the people of God are still moaning and complaining about deliverance. They're moaning and complaining about not getting where they want to go. And the truth is, only two of them got to actually see where God had them going, actually got to see the promised land. And yet God is present right in front of them. It's something that Jesus would also have to deal with, recognizing that it is the people of God who have hung him on a cross. And as he's preparing to give his life for us, he says, Lord, they know not what they've done. They don't recognize the presence of God, the light right in front of them. And I think it's, it's a bit arrogant for us to think we couldn't make the same mistake, that God might not be calling us to, to 
lean in more to what he's saying or telling us to do, that the scriptures itself may be telling us that we need to bear our lives out, to let our sins go and and to repent of those sins. But we would, we would say, no, 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 surely God doesn't mean that. We don't recognize that that is a call upon our lives to change for our own good, not for his good, but for our own good. But we would ignore that. The truth is though, this light, this light continues to shine and we must not ignore it. In fact, also in that verse where it says this light is shining, that means it's continuing to shine. Even if we don't see it and we don't notice it, he is continuing to work and we must not ignore it because in him is life. Verse four, man, in him was life and that life was the light of men. This concept of light, you know, candlelight can be used to dispel us, to, to dispel the darkness, to push it back so that, so that all things can be seen. But there's also UV light. UV light nourishes plants and brings life to the world. It also, by the way, helps us unlock the processing of vitamin D in our bodies. Did you know that? That UV light actually helps us, our bodies do something it can't do on its own. That's why you should kick your kids out, send them outside. <laughs> because even if they've got vitamin D pills for days, if they're not in the light, they can't process it. The truth is life brings light or light brings life. Light brings life and it removes us. It delivers us from darkness and death. The word has announced the presence of God's own life and light in the world. The word has announced that, that this life and light is available to us as well. Even if we don't recognize it, it's here, it's available to us, but we have to actually turn our eyes toward it. We have to turn away from the darkness and toward him and he is offering us something that we could not possibly offer ourselves. And John also shows us, as we're going to read the next few verses, that shows us the nature of our role in his kingdom is to not only come into the light and allow it to bring us life and allow it to help us process things we could not process on our own and to lean into the life it brings as it nourishes our souls and carries us unto heaven. But it's also our call to shine that light. In verses six through nine, John introduces us to another John. He introduces us to John the Baptist. And it says this, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. That name again, pretty much everywhere I'm thinking. <laughs> he came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. There's believe again, all might believe through him. He was not the light but he came to testify about the light. The true light comes into the world and gives light to everyone. That is our call, our call to come into the light and to carry it to the world. Make no mistake, that is why I preach every week. That is why the church was formed. That is why Jesus came. That is why 
the word has been given to us, both in the form of Christ itself and in the written word of his scriptures. It is so that we may come into the light and carry it to the world. Because in the light, darkness cannot thrive. It cannot survive. And in the light, we feel and know the warmth of the love of the Lord and the power of our God. I'm going to close this in prayer. Father God, we are so thankful for the presence of your son, for the light and the life that he brings. We are mindful today as we move towards Easter that that is the story of your light shining in the world in ways that we could have never possibly imagined and that we don't always appreciate. Lord, we are humbled that you would send your son for us And I pray that we will have the heart and the courage to live into the light. To hear the word, to see the word, and to know that you have sent him for us. I pray that we will have the courage to tell others of him because he is the light that can overcome the darkness. The light that can illuminate, the light that can make the evils of this world no more. He is the only one, and he is the one that you sent. Thank you for Lord Jesus. Thank you for his sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your mercies and your grace and your faithfulness. It is in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.